We're going to be learning the first Sicha, we're going to be using the translation to Lashon Kaidish. In order to really appreciate the Sicha, we just need to give a quick Hakdam of what the Parsha is talking about. So the Parsha starts off with Yaakov sending messengers to his brother Esav. And he tells them, this is what you should say to Esav, that I stayed with Lavin and remained until now, and I've acquired cattle, sheep, etc., etc. And I send this message to my Lord in the hope of gaining your favor. And as Rashi explains, what he's trying to tell Esav is that none of the blessings have been um, fulfilled by me. I'm supposed to get from the dew of the heavens. Um, but what do I have? I'm actually to have cattle, sheep, things which were not promised me by the blessing. So there's no reason for you to, in a sense, stay angry with me. The messengers return and say, we came to your brother Esav, and he's coming to meet me with 400 men, meaning he's still Esav of Russia. So the Yaakov is greatly frightened in his anxiety, and he's very he's very anxious, and he divides the camp into two, divides the camp into two. The flocks and the herds and camels into two camps. And he's thinking that if Esav comes to one camp and attacks it, the other camp can, uh, will, will, will be saved. Then, the, the next Pasuk, Pasuk Yud continues, and Yaakov said, he starts davening, O God of my father Avram, and God of my father Yitzchak, who said to me, return to your native land, and I will deal bountifully with you, etc., etc. And he continues praying until um, Pasuk 14, Yudalad. And he says, after spending the night there, he selected from what was at hand, and he gave these presents to Esav, and says he gave 200 she-goats, and 20 he-goats, 200 uh, sheep, to 20 rams, etc., etc. He gives this gift. That's the end. Of, and then he continues with all the gifts. Then the, the parsha continues that that night, um, as he's transferring over his property over the Nachal Yaboik, he fights with the, uh, the, the Esav, Esav's uh, slave, uh, Esav, sorry, uh, Esav's angel, and tells us the story of Esav's angel. Then Perak Lamed Gimel, it's the next morning, and then says, looking up, Yaakov saw Esav coming, accompanied by 400 men, and he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maids. And it tells us how he did that. He put the maids and their children first. And then next in line was Leah and her children. They were in the second row. Then Rachel and Yosef was last. And he, Yaakov, went to the front. He was in front of the, the families. And he bowed seven times. And then Yosef came and kissed him. And the parsha continues. So let's now, with that quick introduction of how, what happened, we'll appreciate the sicha a bit more. So, that on the Pirish of this Pasuk, and Yaakov said, as if I guess saying to himself in a sense, that if Esau will come upon one of the camps and attack it, then the remaining camp will be saved. So on the second Rashi of this Pasuk, he quotes the words, he purish and explains, He says, against Esau's will, meaning is the camp will be saved against Esau's will. Why? How do we know he'll be saved against his will? How could you be so sure? Because I will fight against him. And then Rashi continues and tells us the second part, where the Rebbe is going to discuss the second part of Rashi and Sif Gimel. The reason why the Rebbe splits it up, because it seems like Rashi's telling us two things. He's telling us this idea, and then later on he's going to tell us about other ways how uh, Yaakov prepared. So the Rebbe is going to first focus on this first part of Rashi. Of course, one of the questions later on will be is that if it's two different ideas in Rashi, why is he putting them all together, which will be one of the questions. But looking at it, it looks like two parts, and the Rebbe does split up. 
The reasoning why Rashi needs to discuss these words, meaning is what's bothering why Rashi. He says the Pasuk seems very clear. Yaakov was afraid, so he divides the camp. And he, he's hoping that if I divide the camp, the second one will survive. So it seems very clear what he's planning on doing. So he, who, so the, the commentators of Rashi explain what was bothering Rashi. It's the Pasik says the words Vahaya and it will be that the Machna, the remaining Machna will be saved. How does Yaakov know Vahaya that it will be? How does he know for sure? Vahaya means that once I split it up, then for sure, even if Ayesav attacks one, the other one will survive. How does how does Yaakov know that? Even by dividing it into two camps, it's not, still not clear. It's not vadai. It's not for sure that the second camp will survive. It's only more possible that the second camp will be able to survive. But it's not a for sure thing. So therefore, the pasuk instead of saying the word it should have used an expression which is like ulai. Like that he divided into two camps because maybe if Asaph attacks the first one, perhaps the second camp will survive. So Rashi is bothered. How can you say that he knows for sure that they're going to survive? So therefore Rashi says, what does the word Bahaya means? It means against his will. Why is Rashi telling us it means against Asaph's will? Which means it will for sure happen. Um, you know, if that's what's bothering Rashi. And obviously that's the Shaman of the Pasuk. That's a simple interpretation of the word of Bahaya means that it will for sure happen. So why is Rashi translating that it means talk, it's against Ace of Will, this will for sure happen. So Rebbe tells us right away, the Lakidas Ibn Ezra, because other Mephorshim on the Pasuk, like the Ibn Ezra, they say, because of diff- many different questions that they have, uh, one of them being, I'm assuming, how do you know for sure that he's going to be saved? that they say the word Baha'ya actually only means possibly it will be. And Ibn Ezra actually gives quite a few proofs that where we see the idea that Baha'ya could sometimes mean perhaps. So first of all, Rashi says that the word Baha'ya, Taka, does mean al That this for, he, it means it, they will be saved, that Yaakov knows for sure will be saved. So he says al karfai not like the Pshada that Ibn Ezra, he says it clear. Baha'ya means al karfai against as well. Meaning is that Taka is something very clear that this camp will survive. And the reason why it's so for sure is because I will fight against him. And I will not allow Esav to attack the second camp. So, is the reasoning why uh, we know for sure that they will survive. So that's how Rashi answers the question. How does it means that it implies that for sure they will survive? So Rashi says, yes. That is the pshat of the Pasuk. It means they will survive. How do I know this? Or how, how could Yaakov know that? Because Yaakov's saying, I'll fight with him if he attacks. Okay. So that's in the Mephorshim explained. El Shapir is any moving. So uh, this pshat is not understood. First of all, Al Ketzach Zesh El Imai, maybe Levadois Gemura, Jamachnahan Sheni Yishar Lefleta. How by fighting with him 
does that bring a a complete uh, knowledge that the second camp will survive? The Rebbe, at this point, in, in the Mephorshi Rashi, there's two ways of, of learning how a Yaakov knows for sure he'll survive. One way is, and this is what the Rebbe is taking for this part of the question, is because Yaakov is saying, I'll fight him, and I know for sure I'll beat him. So if he attacks the first Machna, I will, well, part of the second Machna, will then attack him, and then I know for sure uh, we'll survive. Others want to explain that that when he attacks the first camp, uh, I will be part of, Yaakov saying, I'll be part of that first camp. I will fight Esav with the first Machna. And during that battle, which is going to take some time, the second camp will be able to run away. Um, so the Rebbe's first going to discuss the first one. So he says, first of all, if Yaakov saying, I'm going to fight with him, how does he know he's going to win? Like, why is that about Dice Moore? Oh, I'm going to fight them. So for sure, the, the, the second camp will survive. How, how, how does he know that? Um, the Afilu, um, oh, and the Rebbe points out that that for the eight, He says, according to this shot that Yaakov says, I'm going to fight against them and I know I'm going to win, then when it says this remaining camp will survive, it doesn't mean that they're going to run away, it just means they're going to survive because I'm going to win. So Yaakov said, I'm going to win, therefore the other machna will survive. Meaning, I guess there won't be any casualties at all, as opposed to the first machna, which fighting, so there could be some uh, casualties. Uh, fine, so the, the question then is, how, how does he know for sure? The Rebbe continues, Afilu in Kavana Sadvar Mahi, Shirzman, Melchamas Yaakov in Esav, Lahatzal Samachna Harishai. Even if you want to explain that the Kavana over here is that when Yaakov is fighting with Esav uh, to save the first camp, then the second camp at that same time will be able to run away. It's still not for sure that the second camp will actually survive. right? Because again, technically Esav could chase after them and he might catch up to them. It's only is that after dividing the two camps, it gives, and, and, and Yaakov saying, I'm going to be part of the first camp and I'll fight with them, it just makes it the stronger possibility that they could survive. But the word Bahaya is al Khorfai. It actually says it's against Ace of Will, meaning he knows for sure they're going to survive. But how, how does he know for sure? How does Yaakov know that for sure that he's going to survive just because he's fighting or he's running away? Like, that, that doesn't tell us any information. So, Bez, Umahu Pashar Kalchazah. What does Rashi mean against his will? Why is it important? What's the Nakimina and the stress over you that it's against the will of Esau? What's relevant over here is just to stress that through Yaakov fighting with them, he will for sure be saved. Remember, the reason why the word Bahaya means for sure, like Bavadai. I, we had the Pshat of the Ibn Ezra that maybe over here it means perhaps. So Rashi has to tell us, no, it doesn't mean perhaps, it means Vadai. So if the whole point is to tell us that the word Bahaya means Vadai, and how is it Vadai? Because al Imai, that Yaakov is going to fight with Esau, why does Rashi write it in such an interesting way? Al Korfai against Esav's will. It's not really relevant if Esav wants to lose or wants to win. The point is, Yaakov is just trying to say is that we will for sure win. We will, and because I'm going to fight, or, they, or in other words, he, the second camp will for sure survive because I'm going to survive because I'm going to fight. Why is that relevant? That it's against Esav's will. It's like a funny way of trying to say that it's 
Bavadai. Against his will, we're going to survive. Just say that, Bavadai, we're going to, the second camp will survive. So those are the two questions on the Pirush of the Mepharshim. So he brings the Ramban, that explains this idea differently. Ramban so this um, really answers really the first question. The first question is, how does uh, Yaakov know for sure they're going to win? Like even after dividing into two camps, like still how does Yaakov know for sure one of them will survive? So the Rambam says it comes because Yaakov knows, this is like in a sense like a prophecy, a tradition, that he knows that not all of his children will uh, become destroyed or fall into the hands of Yasef. So therefore, even if one machna will be destroyed, we know for sure that one of them survived. And this is actually a very famous Ramban. The Ramban continues over there about throughout the history of the Jewish people. He was talking about the, uh, the Malchus Edom, which is usually the Christian countries. And he says that there is never will be a Gzair from the Christian countries that all Yidin will, will perish. Even if there's one country, like uh, the times of the Ramban in Spain, which where he was living, was run by the Christians, and he had to actually run away, that even if there will be one country which is fighting against the Yidin or throwing them out, there will always be another Malchus, another kingdom of Asa, which will welcome them in. So this is, you know, so he uses that also historically. So he says the same thing, Yaakov knew this idea. So he knows that if one of camp will be destroyed, there will always be like the second camp where they can run away and, and they will be able to take refuge. Asa will never try to destroy all the Yidin or be successful in destroying all the Yidin. So that's how, how the Rambam says how Yaakov know, knew for sure. So maybe we can say that in Rashi, that how do Yaakov know for sure that he will survive if he fights with them? Because he has this tradition that one of them will always survive. But you can't explain that in Rashi. He says, because this shot has nothing to do with Rashi wrote. Rashi wrote that the reason why we know for sure that they will survive is because I will fight with him. But according to the Ramban, it has nothing to do with them fighting. It has to do with this nevuah, this prophecy, or this tradition that Esau will never destroy all the children of Esau, Yaakov. So Rashi could have, so even technically, if, you know, split the camp and one runs one direction, one runs in the other direction, he could have survived because of this tradition. So why is that relevant that, that they're fighting? So according to Rashi, it doesn't seem like he's trying to say this idea. It's the way that Yaakov knows that he's going to survive is specifically because he's going to fight and, and battle against Esau. Please. Rebbe is now going to give another possible solution for Rashi, but he's not going to like this shot either. He says, Lachayur, we can give an answer by saying that one question really answers the second question. At least, meaning the two questions that we had, how does Yaakov know for sure he's going to be saved? And B, why does he say that it's against the will of Esau? He's really, Rosh is trying to explain, we can answer this thing one through the other. He says, by saying the words Al-Karchi Rashi is not trying to tell us that they will for sure be saved. Meaning, we said initially that the reason why Rashi said the words Al-Karchi is to negate the Pirush of the Ibn Ezra, which says that Baha'i means possibly. So Rashi tells us, no, Al-Karchi, it's for sure. The Rebbe says that's maybe not what Rashi is trying to tell us. Maybe Rashi also holds Baha'i means possibly. And what does Al-Karfei come to tell us? Al-Karfei is not coming to tell us that it was a for sure thing that they'd be saved. Rather, Rashi is trying to say that how, what was the plan? When Yaakov said that maybe the second 
according to now what we're trying to say, the Hayah means maybe they'll be saved. What was the plan? The plan was to try to save them in a way which would have been against the will of Asa. And what would that be? Which would mean that he's fighting against Asa. Meaning, technically there could be many ways that Yaakov would be saved. He could uh, give gifts, he could run away, uh, he could do different things. So Rashi's trying to tell us that when it says, that maybe that they will be saved, what was Yaakov's plan? It wasn't in the way of running away or trying to appease them. Rather, it was in a way of, of a, a way that would, a way that, yeah, against Asa's will. Asa would not agree to this type of salvation, and that, of course, would be because you're fighting with him and not trying to, you know, give him the gift of bribing. So that would answer both questions, because A, it's not for sure thing, and why does it say, I'll clarify, because it's trying to say that's the way that Yaakov will be saved. First of all, uh, the main question would be is, since Rashi says it's it's against the will of Asaph, so he's basically trying to say that it will for sure happen. But then the question reverts back. If it's for sure going to happen, how do you know that? So it's against his will, it's going to happen because I'm going to fight against it, but but it's not for sure. So it's like, you either have to say that Al-Karfa doesn't mean for sure, or... um, or you're going to have to say that it means that it does mean for sure, and then the question reverts back, like, why is it for sure? But he says, but in addition to that, he says, what is the chacha, what's the proof in the Pasuk that he's going to fight against Esau? Meaning, as the Rebbe is going to explain in the next paragraph, according to our initial thought process, that when it says, that Yaakov knew for sure that they're going to survive, and how did he know for sure that they're going to survive? So Rashi tells us because he's going to fight against them. So then it makes sense. How does, how does Rashi know that he's going to fight? Because the Pasi says they're for sure going to survive. So if they're going to run away, then it's not for sure you're going to survive. Maybe he'll chase you. Rather, we're going to fight against them. We're going to beat him. All right. But according to what we're saying now is that it's not a for sure thing that Yaakov's uh, saying that we're going to survive. It's just a possibility. Maybe we'll survive. So then if it's just maybe that we're going to survive, how does he know that it's... Yaakov is saying, we're in the Pasuk that say that, oh, maybe we'll survive because we're going to fight against them. Maybe, read the Pasuk that maybe we'll survive because I'm going to split the camp into two. He's going to attack one. The second one's going to ray, and then some of them will survive. Nothing to do with fighting. Nothing to do with warring against Asa. Let's read inside. According to what you said earlier, that the Kavad Rashi, by saying, uh, is to stress that, that he knew for sure that they're going to survive. And the reason why it says is to explain how do Yaakov know for sure that they're going to survive. How does Rashi know that they're going to fight? Because it says in the Pasuk, so since we know for sure they're going to survive, so Rashi says, how do you know for sure because they're going to fight? But according to what we're saying now is Rashi's coming to the main purpose of Rashi over here is coming to explain to us how, what his plan was, how he's going to survive. And he's going to survive in a way that he's going to fight against them. And because he's going to fight against them, this will be against the will of Esau. There's no proof from the Pasuk that this was what was going to happen. Uh, Rashi continues in this Divra Maschal. It says that Yaakov prepared himself in three ways. Uh, a gift, he prepared a gift, for davening, and war. The Dairan, as it says, by gift, because it says that a, the gift passed in front of 
Yaakov, upon it means in front of Yaakov, on its way to Esav. The Tefillah Lekei Avi Avram, by Davni, because he says that he prayed to the God of uh, my father Avram. And more, as we said in our Pasuk, that the remaining camp will survive, which Rashi already told us that means war. So they didn't move in a bunch of questions on this. First of all, Aleph Lama Hebi Rashi's Kol Shleishes Varim Kat Shashi Purushai Oisik Rak Masha Hiskanat Muhammad. Why does Rashi bring all three things over here? Rashi is just trying to explain what this pasuk is referring to, which means that he was preparing himself for war. Halay Masha Hiskanat began during the Tefillah Yoydin on in the Pesukim Del Halah. But Dover Nemer Shem Beforesh Kmei Shehevi Kan Rashi Shehevi Kan Rashi. These other two ways that he prepared for by giving gifts and davening, we know this from the Pesukim later on, and it says it clearly in the Pasuk, as Rashi himself proves from the Pesukim. So why is Rashi bringing this idea over here? Uh, it's seemingly not really relevant to the first way that he prepared. Just read the Pesukim onwards, and you'll know that, oh, by the way, it's two other ways that he prepared. But Lachair, at this point, Rashi should just say the first thing that he did, which was war. Even if you come with some resolution for this question number one, there's another issue. He says, even if you want to say that by learning the Pasik, our Pasik that's talking about preparing for war, we need to know that preparing for war wasn't the only way that he prepared. He prepared in another two ways, and that's important to know at this point in time. And even more than that, that's not only just that it's not the only preparation, it actually was the last one, because first he prepared for, for, for the gift and davening. Still not understood, why is Rashi bringing this as a continuation of his pshat? These seem to be two different separate ideas. One is to explain the words, which he says that means, uh, let's go to the original shot of the fortune that for sure Yaakov will, the second camp will be survived against the will of Esau because he's going to fight against him. And then there's a second thing, like, oh, by the way, he prepared three ways. Why put them together? Even if Rashi, as he said, for whatever reason it is, he wants to notify us that uh, while he was preparing for war, he also prepared himself to give a gift and daven. Even though, as we asked in question one, this itself needs explanation because the parsha is going to tell us, uh, you know, as we go on. But the question is, why does Rashi need to repeat himself and say that he prepared also for war? We already know that he prepared for war. What Rashi should have done is, he should have added, also he prepared by giving a gift and davening. Why repeat that he prepared for three things, davening, tefillah, and Muhammad? Just say that he prepared for another two things, which was darin and tefillah. So Haraim Bir, the Kvanis Rashi, the Mizrahi explains, uh, the Rain wants to say that the reason why Rashi brings this is actually as a proof to what he said earlier. That he said earlier, which means against the will of Asaph, because I'm going to fight. I, where does Rashi know that he's going to fight? And by the way, this could also be used maybe as a answer for the Deichik. You know, that the Rebbe brought earlier, that he, he upshlugged the Deichik, because it's a question of, 
uh, where, where does Rashi know that he's going to fight? So anyway, so the Mizrahi says the reason why he brings this idea of Hiskanat Meshleshadvarim, that's a proof that he was trying to fight. Because since the Chazal say that he prepared himself in three ways. And we don't find in the Psukim this detail that he prepared himself for war. It doesn't say clearly in the Psukim. All we find clearly is that he gave a gift and he prayed. So therefore Rashi says that must be that doesn't just mean that he's preparing to run away, but rather it also means that he's preparing to fight. So that's why Rashi brings this hiskanat to the Shleshadvarim, because he wants to mean this Chazal as a proof that um, that that he's preparing himself to fight. The problem is Rashi doesn't say that this is a minor Chazal or a Medrash. You know, if the whole purpose is that the, the source of Rashi that he's fighting against Esav was because of the Maimar Chazal, that he should have said that it was a Maimar Chazal. Then we understand, all oh, the proof is from an outside source. But Rashi doesn't quote that it's a Maimar Chazal, it just says what the three things are, which is implying that you could learn these three things from the Psukim itself. So the Adarabi says, Pashtus Lashon Rashi, Shadaka Lahaka Shashmanu Ki Achim Imai, On Yedin Shalafi Pshuta Shemikra, Hiskanash Meshachitvarim Gamla Macham. On the contrary, he says, it's only after, from the Pashtas Lashon Rashi, it implies that only after he tells us that Vahayya means that he's going to fight with him, now we know that he prepared himself in three ways, right? Because first he tells you that the Pashtas means fighting, and then only afterwards he says, by the way, he prepared in three ways. One of the ways is also war. But the, we only knew that because Rashi already explained what this Pashtas means. So I say, question Gimel still remains, um, why is what Rashi saying Hiskanas Vashvarim and repeats Mahama, he should have just added this additional two uh, items. Siv Dalid. Gamder Shpir Bahamshapirish Rashi Hiskan. We have also a few additional questions in the in the continuation of Rashi's chat. Aleph, he says, Seder Shleshvarm Shamana Pipirushai. The first question is the way how he enumerated the items. He says, he says first gift, then praying, and then Muhammad. This is the actually the opposite order that Rashi himself brings as the proof. That's why at the beginning of the Shir, uh, I went through the parsha. First was actually war, then he prayed, and then he gave the gift. So this is the incorrect order. Uh, as Rashi himself brings the Psukim, the Tabra Mincha Alpanav, which means Ladairan, is Namalafra Pasilake Aviabram Matila, Shiatsma Namra Miala Afri Pasavayamakna Gaimal Muhammad. Um, as, it, it's said in the opposite order. Tavar Minchal Pana is said after the Pasuk about praying. The Pasuk about praying is said right after the Pasuk about Bahayamachna, which is talking about war. So Rashi changes the order of the Pasuk, and why does he do that? So Rashi brought three proofs, like one proof for each idea. But if you look at the Medrash, Rashi, the Medrash brings, uh, brings additional Pasukim. Uh, he says, how do we know that Yaakov davened? So he doesn't bring uh, the idea of Elokei Avi Avram. He brings, uh, it's, you know, it's still within, I think it was three or four psukim of the prayer. He brings a different pasuk. The Doran, he brings the pasuk. You should say, uh, it, it, uh, Yaakov's telling the servants what they should tell Esau when they bring him the gift. You should say, it's to your servant. This gift of your, your servant's gift, it's Yaakov as, as a gift being sent to you. And the Muhammad says that he placed the uh, Shrachas first, 
and uh, you know afterwards was Leah and then Rachel and Yaakov he went first. He knew he went first to fight. So Makam Achabim Madrash and Sina Raila Dern other Madrash bring a different Pasik, it says that he took from you know from that which he had a, a gift for Esau, the Muhammad Yhsib Yachitza Amashaita that he split uh, the on that was with him. So the question is why does Rashi bring his specific sukkah? Okay. According to this, we need to understand the Pirish of Rashi, it's really in the Manachakar. Now we're just trying to understand like what's the common denominator of the type of psukim that he's bringing. The Rebbe is assuming that maybe the Rashi brought these three psukim because they, you know, they're a certain type of proof. But the Rebbe is going to show us that if it's a certain type of proof, he doesn't even follow that order or that logic. Maybe, he says, uh, if you want to say that, maybe Rashi's bringing psukim that say that Yaakov, the psukim that when Yaakov actually did it. Rashi doesn't want to bring the psukim about how he prepared it. He prepared a gift to give to Yaakov. He told the servants what to give to Esau or what to say to Esau. Nah, he wants to talk about the actual gift, you know, the gift, uh, the, the gift is, uh, as we said, Tavra upon him, the gift was passing in front of Yaakov on its way to Esau. He actually sent the gift away. He wanted to do something which is the plan. That which is mashka from the first raya that Rashi brings. He brings about the gift that the mincha passed in front of it, in front of Yaakov. That the reason why Rashi brings this pasik, which is not the first pasik, Rather, the first Fasik is that he took they took from what he had as a gift. He separated, he took from what he had and gave some of it as a gift to Yaakov. That was the first Fasik. Because that's just working about the preparation of the gift and the organizing of the gift. Uh, but the Tabra Mincha is actually the sending of the gift to Pai. So that's why Rashi brings that birth. He also should have brought the psukim, which say about davening and war, about him davening and actually fighting the pile. But the to be the best pasuk would have been a pasuk hatsileni no Save me, the actual prayer, not the, the him calling to God elakei avi avram. He says, "What is the actual prayer? Please save me from Esau." When the Machama, it was that he that he went in front of everybody to fight. Right, not just he's planning on splitting up the people and he's gonna go in the first camp and fight against everyone. No, he actually did it. Over the flame, he went first. Rashi explains over there that if that Russia comes to fight, you'll have to fight with me first. Should have been the beginning of the tavening, which was the which wasn't the actual prayer, is the preparation in a sense. Like he's calling to God. And also the words of Yaakov, which is again like a preparation of what his plan was to fight against Esau, should have actually brought him fighting. So it doesn't work. That that explanation wouldn't work. And if you want to say, you know what, it stops it. Rashi's only doing Sukkim, which talk about Yaakov preparing for the war. You know, so the first, you know, the first, in a sense, the first words which are said uh, about preparing for these strategies. Then also by the dairy and the gift, he should have brought an earlier pasuk, as we said. Dimo.
Third question. Since Rashi already told us that at the beginning of the Ramaska, the Haya Machna Nishalafleta means that he's going to fight with them, why does Rashi again bring a proof that he says there are three things? And bring and the third thing is Muhammad. How do we know the Muhammad? Because it's of the Haya Machna Nishalafleta. We already know that's the proof because that was, you know, we're literally in the same Divra Masko. You're repeating the proof a second time, it seems redundant. And Dalad Ma'adika Lashan Hiskin Belay Haikhan Kates that why does he use the Lashan Hiskin Lashlash Dramat? He prepared himself. The, the more common expression is Haikhan, prepared himself. Hiskin is not a common expression. Hiskin means more like fixing himself more than a, a, a translation of preparing. So I should have used that Lashan. Sifhe. Uh, so this is the pshat, the beer in this uh, this Rashi. What's bothering Rashi? And through this beer, all the questions will be resolved. <laughs> He says, when you read the Psukim, the Hemshech of the Psukim, according to the simple interpretation, it seems this is what happened. And this is also how I read it to you at the beginning. First thing is, again, Yaakov sent the Malachim. The Malachim come back and say that Esau's coming and he has 400 men with him. Yaakov gets very afraid. And it says that he splits the camp into two. And he says, the second camp, you know, afterwards he davens. And only afterwards, he prepares a gift to give to Esau. So that shalosheshkatz to So, but this, this, this is somewhat interesting. It, 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 it brings up a question. It's understood very simply that when a yid hears that someone's coming to fight against him, the first thing he does is daven. Only after he davens, then he prepares to prepare for war and other strategies. So how could we say, especially about Yaakov, that first he prepared for war and only afterwards he davened? And just to add another point, because some of them are fortunate this too, that Yaakov, we got the blessing, the, we know that Hakol Yaakov, Hakol Yaakov, whatever, the voice that Yesav got the brach of fighting, while Yaakov got the blessing to David. So it doesn't even make sense that the first thing you do would be for war. Since Yaakov was the better warrior because he got the blessing to fight, Yaakov got the brach of the David, he should have David first. So it doesn't even make sense theologically. But definitely, as the Rebbe is pointing out, always with what he does, he, he davens first. So so must say that Yaakov also conducted himself in that way, and the first thing he did was really to daven. This about him saying that he's going to split up the camp. He says this idea of splitting the camp is really just a preparation and an explanation to his davening. He 
He says, once, once he, he got the notification from the Malachim that Ace is coming with 400 men and he became scared, so as the, as the outcome from that was, he split the, 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 the people that were with him. Because only by splitting the people that were with him, that only then it makes sense that he davened. Meaning is, in order to daven, or in order to make the tefillah make sense, and also the tefillah should work, he first needed to split the people. And it was only afterwards, the next day, when Yaakov saw that Ace is coming with 400 men, only then did he actually split the children that were with him. Okay? Meaning, the Zerv is going to explain what that means. At first, it was V'yachat Am, and only the next day do we have the idea of V'yachat Tzayaladim. That the Yachatzam that it says in our Pasik is not the same one of the Yachatz that's spoken about later, which happened the Machras the next day. As remember, after the fight with the angel, the next parak starts off that the next day Yaakov got up and he put uh, the Shvachis and their kids first, and then Leah and her kids, and then Rachel and Yaakov went first to fight again uh, to stand in front of them to fight against Esau. That Vayachatz is splitting up his own family into those groups is not the same Vayachatz that he did on the previous day. These are two different splits. Kipasha, and this is actually a simple interpretation. He says, earlier, it says that he split the nation and the sheep. Right? It's talk about the cattle. He's splitting everybody. While in the Pasuk later on, the next day, it only says he split up the woman and the children. It doesn't speak about the Am, doesn't speak about the sheep, just his family. And it also over there, it doesn't say that he split them into two Machnas. Meaning is all three families were in one Machna, they were just set up in groups. First group one, two, and three, but it was all within the same camp. Mash Enkin on the first day, it was actually a split into two camps. So Ella, the Rebbe explains, Ha'amur Khan, hu v'yachatz l'shtei machna is v'teich kubanosh, im yavam, esav, ala machna ha'aks v'yikal, ha'machna ha'nishal l'shtei Rather, over here, they were split into two different camps, with the kubanah that if esav would attack one, the second one will survive. Ha'amur l'halam, hu v'yachatz l'shtei aladam aleya v'arach l'shtei shvachas, v'yasam es shvachas v'yaldeim r'shayna, v'teikal achreim es leya, v'yaldeim achreinim, v'asrach v'asyesav achreinim, he says, well, the next day when they split the family up, that was, that was within the second camp. Meaning, is, in other words, the first day he split the camp into two. One camp was his family. And the second camp was his, uh, you know, his property and the shepherds and everybody who's taking care of his property. So, and that was split on the first day. And he's saying that if the first camp, which all the property and the shepherds and all that gets attacked, then the second camp, which is his family, they will survive. And then it says that within his family itself, he split them up into different groups, but they were still part of the same camp. Uh, all of them were in one machna, as the Pasuk actually says quite clearly. It says, Asa raised up his eyes and he saw the woman and the children. Meaning all the individuals we just mentioned. It says that he raised up and he saw everybody. Basically, so we obviously they were in the same camp. It wasn't in front of him two separate camps that one of them would be able to escape if Asov attacks one of them. Uh, so there were not two separate camps.
Rather, the family was all with one and everybody else was in, in the other one. So this is what Rashi says, that it's against the will, meaning is that the Rebbe is going to keep the Purusha and the Fortune. Al-Kurcha means against the will of Esau, because we know for sure that Yaakov will win, because I'm going to, I'm going to fight against him. So it means Esau will not be able to do anything bad to them. Key. And how does he know that? By The question now is, so he's saying by splitting the camp into two, the cattle and everybody into one, and his family to the second one. By doing this, he knows that Al-Khorkid, against Ace of Will, he will, he will not be able to win because I'm going to fight about against him. By me doing this, I know for sure I'll fight and I'll win. How? That one camp was all the, all the, the sheep, the, the, the cattle, the camels, and also part of the people that were with him, meaning is the shepherds, anyone who shaykh the, the uh, livestock. And the second camp would have been whoever remained, meaning the woman, the children, and, and the people that were shaykh, I guess, to helping out the women and the children. And this division is actually very clear in the Pasuk. The Pasuk tells us that he transferred over to Yavr Yavak, it says twice that he passes. It's once he took uh, that he took his family, and he passed them over. And then he says, that he took, passed over everything that was shaykh to him. As Rashi tells us, what is Yavr? It means all of his property. So it's very clear that he had two camps. There was one camp, which was the family, and the second one was the property. Uh, he says, only after he split them up was Yaakov able to come and daven with the koyach, with the promises that Hashem promised to save Yaakov. And that's how Yaakov knew with Avadois that the remaining camp, meaning his family, will be saved. Not necessarily would be saved, that maybe Esau might attack that one. Because the promise only was that Yaakov and his family would survive. In order to prove that this, this that Yaakov know for sure, he would win Esav, how, how, how did Yaakov know for sure that he would win Esav? That's why Rashi brought meaning the that is the proof that Yaakov knew for sure he was going to win. So really the question again, uh, well, the, ma- the main question of Rashi is, why does Yaakov, why does Yaakov, oh sorry, why does, the, why does Yaakov prepare first for war? And not Davin first. So the answer that Rashi is giving is that Yaakov was actually preparing to Davin first. But in order to Davin, he had to split the people and the livestock separately, and then he, then he could daven and ask Hashem to save his family. And this automatically, in a sense, explains the Pasuk. How did he know for sure they'll survive? So that's understood automatically, because since he spoke the people, and he's got a daven, now he knew for sure that they're going to survive. And he has, brings a further proof we're going to see from the Hiskanath Solish Um The regular expression when a person prepares himself to do an act, 
but to many acts, is heichen. Heichen means that you're preparing yourself to do something. But over here, it's using an expression of hisken. He fixes himself. By using this expression of hisken, Rashi is trying to stress an additional component to this preparation. Heichen means that the person prepares himself for a particular task. This preparation can be through doing an act, or it could be a mental preparation, davening, or something like that. So there could be uh, many different ways of preparing. Mental preparation, physical preparation. When we use the word Lashen Hiskin, which means to fix, it's not just a, doesn't mean just he prepared himself. This is describing how he prepared himself. When you say tikin, um, it means that Yaakov was fixing himself. And through fixing himself, that was the preparation to do um, something. So he has to first prepare himself by fixing himself, and then he's able to do that uh, item that he needs to get done. So similarly, this is what happened by Yaakov. That the way how Yaakov prepared himself for these three in Yanim was through fixing himself. As we know, as uh, Rashi explains regarding war, he was very afraid. He was afraid that he might kill some, that he might be killed, the Yitzar, that he might get killed. Therefore, or he might kill someone else. I'm sorry. Therefore, he had to prepare himself for war. He wasn't ready for war. He was he was afraid either. Again. To, be killed or to kill. He wasn't so you kind of if you fight to like defend yourself or to uh, attack, you're kind of in big trouble. Rashi explains regarding the gift, he was very upset that he needed all of this. It's his brother, and he has to like bribe him with a gift. So he had to prepare himself that even though he was angry, he can in a sense awaken these emotions of love or appeasement, uh, you know, to put down the anger and try to appease uh, Asaf. That even though I am afraid that that uh, even uh, that since the time that you gave me the promise that I would be saved, maybe I became dirtied with sin, and that will cause me to be given over to the hands of Asaph. So he was afraid to daven in a sense because he felt he wasn't deserving for Hashem to save him. So he's going to daven Hashem, you know, keep the promise. But I don't really deserve it. So he was, in a sense, he felt that that he couldn't do that. Like, how can you go to someone and ask them to save you when you know that, you know, it's a chutzpah. Like, since that point in time, I've been a traitor. I've rebelled against you. Why should Hashem have to save him? Therefore, his kanats may dispel. Therefore, Yaakov need to prepare himself and find himself worthy to daven. He even added his davening, that he should uh, save be good to ask it in your schus, in the schus of the forefathers. So all those things were preparing himself. So now we can understand why Rashi brought his proofs from these psukim and not from other psukim. Uh, meaning it's not like the psukim that the Medrash brought. These proofs are not for the essential idea that he prepared. We're not trying to bring a proof that we see that Yaakov prepared for these three Yanim. 
But what we're trying to prove is, and we're bringing Psukim that prove that, that the way how Yaakov prepared is that he had to do some internal preparation. From by a gift that says that the gift passed in front of him. So Rashi also quotes the words, not just the Fatavra Mincha. He also quotes the words Alpanav in front of Yaakov. Why is that relevant? Because of that. Because Rashi on those words, in addition, he explains the funny expression Alpanav, which we translate means in front of Yaakov, but literally means on the face of Yaakov. What do you mean on the face of Yaakov? The mincha passed on the face of Yaakov. So Rashi tells us that Alpanav also comes from the idea of, um, in a sense, when, when someone's upset or something bad happens to a person, like if someone insults you or, or something, uh, a person doesn't do well in business, you could say like, uh, it was Alpanav. Even in modern Hebrew, they say this idea of, uh, it was Alpanav, it was on the face. Like it was like, like I guess in English, we translate it like, like a slap in the face. Like, um, so the reason why he uses the word Alpanav is because also Yaakov was upset, he was because that he needed all this. So the reason why he says, Vatara Mincha Alpanav is to say that the Mincha almost was like a slap in the face to, to Yaakov. That's what Esav quotes. So that's why he had to, in a sense, misaken himself. By bringing these words, it shows that, in a, that, 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 he, that he was able to get over himself. Meaning is initially he couldn't do it, in a sense. But when we see the Tavra Mincha Alpanav, this tells us that he was able to do it. It teaches us that he was Shari Bukas. That's the source that he was Shari Bukas. And ultimately, obviously, by sending it, he, he was able to get over that Kas. By Tfila, it says, This is a hint on the promises that Hashem gave to the Avis. Right? Meaning, again, that he, that two points, I guess, that, uh, that, that the reason why he's deserving is because of the promises that the, the promises that were given to the forefathers. Meaning is even I'm not deserving, but there's also the haftachas that Hashem gave to the forefathers. And again, just like the other one, by this that he's actually davening and saying these words, we're seeing that he is um, he has confidence. Also, Rashi brings a proof about war, and he brings the pasul If you remember, one of the questions is why do you have to bring this pasul? Already know what the source of it is. He says, The reason why he had to prepare himself for Mahama, he says, even though we know that he was afraid, it's because the reason why he prepared himself for war is because he knew for sure that he would be safe. So again, so the Lashon of Tikkun Atzma is that he fixed himself up. And we see from these three Psukim that he did. The Tavra Minchal Panav, that even though he was upset, the Tavra Minchal Panav. By davening, that even though he was wearing a slachli v'chait, but still he has chusavis. And regarding war, that even though he was v'yira, he was afraid, but v'hayamachna initial afleita, he was v'teach, that he would be successful and he would, and he would, he would be saved. Because of the promise of Hashem. The Rashi, the Mechal, was like, why does Rashi mention Muhammad at the end? It wasn't Muhammad uh, the first thing that he did? Well, according to what we explained, actually, it wasn't really so much that the Muhammad was the first thing that he did. It was, he had to split, the reason why he split up the people, which was a preparation for war, was, as we said, really as a preparation for Davni. But Papel was still the first thing that he did. So why is Muhammad mentioned last? 
It's because the reason why this is the last, because this was actually the hardest thing he had to prepare himself, fix himself for, to remove from him the terror of either killing or being killed. So that was the hardest, therefore it's mentioned last. So it seems like the Rabbi is saying that Rashi's order is, it's, I guess, from a Menachala Lakavit, that the hardest thing that Yaakov needs to do, which was war, is mentioned last because, um, uh, because th- that, w- that was the most difficult for him, thing for him to do. Um, Ella, the question is, why is Rashi mentioning Dayun before davening? Shouldn't davening have been the first thing? Davening A was actually what happened first. And there's no reason why davening would have been any harder to do than giving a gift. He says, even though B'payal Yaakov Taka did send the gift after he davened, he says, but the truth is, the first thing, or the idea, the first idea, the first theme that Yaakov had to do first was to send a gift. This is when he sent the angels to Esau. As, right? Remember, he sends the angels to Esau, and he tells them about, in loving Garti, and I have a chamor, and I have a camel, but all these things, He's telling him, as Rashi explains, is to say that the, the blessings were never fulfilled by me. So there's no reason for you to be upset. Meaning, already at that point, he's trying to appease Asaph. So that's why the Durham is mentioned first, because that's technically actually the first thing that happened at the beginning. I, why wouldn't he have davened before he even sent the Malachim? He says, it's true that at the Sar, the first thing you're supposed to do is daven to Hashem to save you. But we find by Yaakov that he, that as Rashi says, that I would always say, he was, he was Ragu, uh, I would always say, I should know Yaakov, let me talk to Yaakov here, that Yaakov would always say that he was my brother. Meaning Yaakov always felt close to Yaakov, he felt that we were brothers. I, we had a fight and had to run away, fine, but that's just temporary. So he felt that Yaakov, in a sense, forgave him to a certain extent, but he wants to send these angels in front, in a sense, to, to make a greater level of, uh, of brotherlyhood. When he sent the angels, his main purpose was actually just to find favor in the eyes of Yaakov, of, of Asas, as he as the Pasuk actually says, he sent, Yaakov sent Malach in front of him to tell my master to find Chaim Be'inacha, that I'm at peace with you and I want your, your love and I want, want your friendship. So it comes out that Yaakov didn't find actually that was a danger at that point in time. At that point of time, he thought it was in a sense that Yaakov's, Ace was coming to greet him. There might have been like a nice, you know, brotherly argument going on. It wasn't actually dangerous that at that point in time that he would have come to kill him, uh, as the Rebbe is going to, you know, prove later, but also remember when he left Haran, he was told by Ritka that when you return, it's going to be, you go there and I'm going to send for you when Esau's calm. So this is that Hashem, and we're going to see later also that Ritka told him to come back. Obviously, Yaakov understood that it wasn't such a danger anymore, that his anger to kill me was not there. So that was the first, he didn't think it was an Esau, therefore he first sent it, in a sense, just to create greater love, you know. 
Only after the Lachim came back. And they told him that Esau said, Esau's not your brother. Rather, he's Esau Varasha. Then Yaakov starts davening, please save me. And then afterwards, he sends the gift, because maybe the gift will be Matthias Esau. Um, look at R48, Pierce Rashi Shem. That we can say that this Rashi told him, Yaakov told the Malachim to tell Asa that I have a Shor and I have a Chamor, which the purpose is to find Chaim Vaynacha. That he's ready, to, he was to hint to Asa, like, why am I telling you this? Well, I'm ready to give it to you as a gift. Even though the main idea was to say, look, the blessings were never fulfilled by me, because this is not from the heavens, this is not from the earth. This is animals, I never got blessings for animals. But still, there also was that idea of a hint, in a sense, to be, to give a gift, in a sense, to be him, even before he knew that Ace of one, he was Ace of Russia. But just, so just a quick recap until this point. The main issue that Rashi has is a fundamental question as to why Yaakov would have first prepared for and then only afterwards David. So he resolves this question by saying that the preparations for war was really a preparation also for davening. Because in order to daven, he needed to first separate his family from his possessions. And then when he would daven, that Hashem should protect him based on the promise that he gave him, that he would protect his family, it would be able to be chal on uh, that machana, his family machana that was separated. And to further prove this point, that once Yaakov separated his family away from the rest of the camp, and he davened, he was, get, he was confident at that point that he will win, Balkorcha against the will of Esav, he knew that once he separates the family, davens, he would win, uh, Rashi continues that Yaakov was that he prepared himself internally for three things. Because each one of these three things signify that there was a fear that he would not be successful. But once he prepared himself, meaning as he internally changed the way that he was thinking, that gave him the confidence that he would persevere. So the first thing, what he starts off with, is the gift. The reasoning why is because each one of these three things, there was an issue that he had to overcome. So Rashi is going to start from the easiest thing to overcome to the hardest thing they had to overcome. The easiest thing to overcome was the gift. He didn't want to give the gift to Asaph because he felt he was angry at Asaph. Like, why do I have to come to do give you all these gifts? You're, you're, you're my brother. But that's the easiest to overcome because we see already initially um, Yaakov wanted to be Livsachein Be'enav. And he even hinted to this idea of giving him a gift. So to change, in a sense, change his mind and to give him the gift and have the confidence, look, by giving this gift, this might be the way that Hashem wants me to be saved. It wasn't such a dramatic, in a sense, internal fix. He says, you know what, I have confidence. Hashem wants me to give a gift. That will be the way that I will get my tzala. Fine. The second shift that needed to happen was by davening. Yaakov uh, felt that maybe he wasn't deserving that the promise that Hashem gave him uh, should work because he was nislachlich bechet. So therefore, when he davens Eleke of Yavram, that he has confidence that because of the schus of his forefathers that he will be protected, that again shows that he knows for sure he'll win because he has that confidence. And then finally, the last thing, which is the hardest, the, 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 the fear of war, 
that he will be killed or that he would have to kill once he has that um, confidence as that by splitting the camp in two and knowing that by splitting the camp and Hashem promises that one part of the camp, the camp of his family, would be protected, he has confidence and he wins. So these three things, again, are being brought as a further proof that there, that how do we know for sure Yaakov was confident? It was a vaday that he would win. It's because we see that he initially had fear, but that he overcame that fear. And that's why Rashi uses the words tikkun, that he had to resolve, he had to fix himself up, that all the issues that he had wouldn't be an issue and that he would have full confidence uh, in the promise that Hashem gave him uh, that, he, that he would be successful. Okay, let us continue to the next sif. But the expression Rashi uses that he prepared himself in three ways is not clear completely. Rashi didn't need to give a number that he prepared himself for three things. Just say what the three things are. He prepared himself. Like the Shas will ask in many places when the Mishnah will give a number. Says Why do you need to give a number? Your enemy is going to enumerate uh, all the different cases. So just say the cases. Don't give us the number. So Vabir Even after the Malachim notified Yaakov that Esav was not his brother and he's acting and conducting like Esav Harash and he still hates you, Yaakov had three possibilities. At the same time, three possibilities of how to respond. There was Mitzad Esav, It's possible that Esav would have been satisfied just by sending him a gift. That would have appeased him. And this would be known from this that Yaakov uh, was sent, Rivka sent a messenger, as we're going to see later in the parsha, that Rivka sent the maidservant, Devoira, to notify Yaakov that he should come back. So I guess this is an addition to Hashem notify, telling him to go back. He also got a messenger for Rivka to come back. The question is, since Russia still, Ace of Russia still hates him, why would Rivka send and notify Yaakov that he's supposed to return to Eretz Yisrael? So, so this actually is a proof. This that Rivka sent him is a proof that even though Esav hated him, but the, the deep hatred was uh, was nullified. And therefore the Sakana that Rivka was scared that she would be, be bereaved, that both of them on the same day was also in his battle. Because the hatred that he had would have been able to be removed through gifts. Meaning that the terrible hatred was gone. Aye, there was still some hatred there. You can give a gift and that would have removed that hatred. So that was one option. But that was Esau's part. That probably would have worked. But Yaakov had an issue because in his, his heart he felt maybe I became dirty by sin. It's possible that this that Esau still has hatred to him that could bring to Yaakov to a situation of, of, of dangers. We know the Gemara says a person should never put himself in a place of danger. Because if you're in a place of danger, and uh, you, you could um, you could be punished at that particular time, meaning is even if you might not have been deserving, but if you're in a place of danger, then you need an extra schus to protect you. And if you have some avarice, then you won't be found righteous enough to be saved. 
So this is what Yaakov felt, that because of the hatred, it might not be been a, a sakonim etzad esav, but Yaakov felt because of his own problems, that hatred would have been enough to put him into a situation of light. Like we find by light, that the sin of his living in Sadaim brought to the situation that when the four kings attacked, they took Light as uh, a captive. I, if Light was living there for many years, so why was he punished earlier? Alamites, because it was an Amakim Sakana. When there was a place of danger and a time of danger, then all of a sudden the sin of uh, Light living in that particular place caused him to be taken captive because it was a Amakim Sakana. That's why Yaakov also needed to put in his davening in the schus of Avi Avram, the schus of your forefathers. He needed the schus because he felt that on his own it might not be enough. And since the effect of uh, Hashem saving him, the way that Hashem saved him could be in two ways. One way of Yaakov being saved is like Hashem saved him by, by loving. As we know that when uh, Lovin was chasing Yaakov, he had a dream that Hashem told him not to do to Yaakov good or bad. As the God of Avraham and Yitzchak um, proved to yesterday how that Yaakov is righteous and Lovin was a Russia and he wasn't allowed to touch. So it could have been this miraculous way of protecting uh, Yaakov. A second way of saving was through wars. We see that light was only saved through Avram fighting an actual battle. So, therefore, Yaakov needed to prepare himself also for war. Uh, so, to answer the question again was, why did Rashi need to say that he prepared for all three things at the same time? Why, why, sorry, why did it have to say the Shloish all three things? Just say what the three things are. So, the explanation is because Yaakov actually had to do all three things at the same time. He had to prepare all three things because Mitzad Esav, he needed to do a gift. But that there was also Mitzad Yaakov that he might not be deserving on his own uh, to be saved. Therefore, he needed to daven b'schus avaysacha. But even davening, we don't know if he would have had enough schus that would be a, a, a miraculous saving or he would have to be saved through an actual battle. Um, so that's why Rashi says this idea of l'shleishadvarm to emphasize that Yaakov actually needed to do all three things at the same time. And just to maybe add a little explanation with maybe what the Rebbe is referring to, like, well, what was bothering Rashi that he needed to say that, was possibly why did, if Yaakov had Petachin, that, um, that he would be saved, you know, once he split up the camp and, you know, he davened or whatever it was, why did he have to do all three things? Just do one thing, two things. Why did he have to do all three? So the reason why he had to do all three is because this was something, it was because there were three issues over here. There was an issue with Tzad Esav, so he had to take care of that issue. But there also might have been an issue with Tzad Yaakov, because he wasn't deserving. And because of that issue that Yaakov had, and there's two ways, as we said, that he could be saved, because of this Nislach Lech either just through davening and it would be a miraculous saving, or it had to be through war. Therefore, he, he had to do all three things, but it was actually had to prepare for them all at the same time, because they were all of equal importance. Yud. Uh, so we're going to explain what is this idea of that he prepared for all three things at the same time. He had to fix himself for these three things. Because the ability 
that the same exact moment to prepare for three things is the opposite of nature. Therefore, he needed to fix himself. He needed to change himself. To do three opposite types of preparations at the same time, he needed to fix himself. Because each one of these three ideas are actually a different type of emotion, a different type of uh, feeling. He says, the idea of giving a gift of chesed, love, is the idea of distancing, the idea of gvura. But both of these things are between people. But the idea of davening is meaning it's not up to you, it's something that you need a request from Hashem. So it's, in a sense, an opposite type of feeling of, I can handle it, rather Hashem is going to take care of it. Therefore, the ability to grasp onto three different tenuous at the same time, that's something which is not the nature of a person. It's not even the nature of, a, of Kedusha, of the Nefesh of the Kis. Because by, even by the Nefesh of the Kis, every single Midah has its particular way how it works. So therefore, it needed, Yaakov needed to masakin himself to be able to change his very nature, to be able to do these three opposites at the same time. So, Why taka did Yaakov need to hold on to these three tunus at the same time? So, the Chassidus tells us when uh, uh, Yaakov arrives at Lavan, he finds that all the shepherds are by the um, well, and he asks them, why are all you guys here? It's still early. So they tell them, they, they all have to gather at the same They all have to gather at the same time in order to take the rock off the water. So Hasidus explains that the idea of the rock is the idea of the klipa, and the water is the kedusha and the holiness which is below it. And in order for them to remove the rock, all of these shepherds needed to gather together, because the shepherds are the different kaychas of chesed, of Tveris, and you need all three powers in order to remove that rock. The muscle that we can give, a physical muscle from a war, that the, and the way to win a war is through organizing that you are able to isolate your enemy, that you have your three machnas against one machna of the Saina, and then you're able to overpower him. And then you move on to the second machna of the enemy, and you use all of your three uh, machnas to beat him. So the same thing in In order to be certain that you will be able to win the Yitzhahara, you need all three midas to kedusha to fight against one midah of the klipa. Then you know for sure you'll win it and you'll be successful. This is pshat that all of the flocks gathered there, because they are Ava And just like this is by each individual, by his Similarly, in the Avaida of the Bnei Yisrael and Golos Bechlal, that there's different types. Of Golis. There's a Golis of Yishmal, there's a Golis of Esav, which is Adam. Even 
the klipa. Asa gvur the klipa, and even though each category of galus, there's a particular type of avoda which is fitting for that particular issue of galus. Yishmal uh, is the klipa. Meaning is that when you're fighting Yishmol, which is Chasid the Klippa, the main battle will be with your Ava. Right? So Ava the Kedusha will be against Ava the Klippa. But you can't just have Ava against Ava, because then you not know for sure you're winning. Rather, you also need to have the ideas of Gvura and Rachmanis assisting. The way that you'll be certain that you'll be able to beat the test of Golas and to win it and to conquer it is by gathering all of your Midas to work together. And since the Koyach for the Aveda of the Yidin, the Simon to the Banim, the source comes from the Maise Avis, from what from Yaakov. Therefore, we find by Yaakov, who is the most chosen of the Avis, that he had an Eskalulus. He had a combination of all three Midas by both types of Golas that he had. He used all three Midas to fight against it. The first Golas he had was Beis Lavan. So, as the Haddamal, when he first arrived there, it says, Nasu Shamakaladar, meaning is. All the koiches are gathered to fight against that galus. While derech zaba vaydas bira esav galus adam hiskin asmul shloish dar biachad shloish hakav and chasid dairan gvura mochamat veres varach mitfila. And similarly, by the avayda of bira esav galus adam, he prepares himself with with, with the three kav and chasid gvura and veres. Yudbeis mekolo now bal gamay rab avaydas kol echav echem yisrael. From all this, we also have a lesson for every yid. When it's um, when it's your responsibility to save the Yiddish children from the chinuch of Esav, it's not enough that you are satisfied with your natural um, capabilities, the way that how you are accustomed in Yerushalayim. Rather, you need to change yourself. You need to fix yourself. Meaning is, if you're a person that's just loves, for example, you love uh, Avedis Hashem. So in trying to mechanach your children, you can't just uh, you know, show them the love of Yiddishkeit. Um, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> but it might not be enough. So you also have to instill within them the union of Yiris Hashem, also the union of Rachamim, which is the idea of uh, empathy, uh, a, deep, a very deep connection to Hashem. Why? Because if it's just a love, then it's possible that the, per- the child could also have be very passionate about things which aren't involved in Avedis Hashem. You can be passionate in the opposite of Avedis Hashem. So there'll be one passion against another passion. But when you also have these other connections, you have, you also have your Shemaim, he also has this idea of Rachmim, he has, he, he feels, uh, Rachmim is like, he feels the Rachmanis which will be on his Neshama if um, this, he disconnects himself from Hashem. That will help him to be able to become a good Yid. Because when a person is just working the Fichajman, according to Tam Vadas, according to his natural capabilities against the Esav, he's not able to be certain that he'll win. And the main thing is he for sure won't be certain that he can save everybody. Meaning is your, your style might work for 80% of the kids, but might not work for 100% of the kids. You've got to really uh, change yourself and use, utilize all of your capabilities. And even if you don't have those capabilities, you need to create those cap- capabilities. 
because we need to work and utilize, right? It's not enough just to have Yiddish guilt, uh, right? But it's also just not enough just to have passion for Yiddishkeit. You need to have both. You need to have the Yiddish guilt and you need to have passion. Plus, you also need to have Rachamim. Tveris. Tveris is also the idea of beauty, to see the beauty which is in Yiddishkeit. You love Yiddishkeit. You see the beauty in Yiddishkeit. There's also a fear of Hashem. When he works without any chashbainis, in a way that it's against Eitzav's will, Eitzav doesn't even have a choice uh, with the combination and connecting all of his capabilities together, and he changes himself and fixes himself, then he will be matzliach and he will be peyel and he will conquer Eitzav. Until the, the fulfillment of the promise.